Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but I want to talk to you about a topic that we began last week uh, on the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the theology of the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit is. When my wife and I came here almost 15 years ago, we came to a uh, church and our desire was to be a part of a spirit-filled, healthy, vibrant, balanced, New Testament, Bible-centered, full gospel church. And we have seen, uh, just because of our, our upbringing in the church, we've seen the extremes where the pendulum swings both ways, right? Where you see the extremes of the hyper overly, maybe overly charismatic, if, if there is such a thing. And then the extremes of the dead church where the Holy Spirit wasn't moving. And we understand, just like you do, that when we put titles or um, denominational uh, marks on things, it tends to kind of do something inside of us. And we go, oh, it's one of those churches or, oh, it's one of the, and that's really where denominational denominations have caused a lot of dysfunctions in the church today. And our hope and our goal is that we would be a church that's not caught up in titles, but we would be a church that's Bible-centered and open to all God has for us and hungry for more. So if you can answer those two questions in your heart in the affirmative, say, hey, yes, I'm open to all God has for me and I'm hungry for more, you're in the right place. You're in a great place. And I want to assure you and, and just reassure you that um, the, the things that we're going after here in Centerpoint are all found in God's word. We're not going to be off on any of man's opinions or some kind of uh, crazy frou-frou stuff that's not grounded in the word of God. But it's very important that we have an understanding of what the Bible teaches and says. And when I use the word theology, some people go, oh, that's boring, right? When I say theology, how many, how many of you honestly said, oh boy, that's boring. Anybody out there brave enough to, yes, you all lie. Uh, just kidding. Um, so we hear that and we go, oh no, but I want you to understand that theology pushes us in a particular direction. Theology is basically the knowledge of scripture and of God. And the knowledge of God, understand, is not neutral. It's not one of those, eh, it demands something of us. When you know the word of God and you know the scripture, it demands something of you. Every thought and belief in your mind leads to an action. Understand that. The things that you think in your mind and the things that you believe lead you to action. And unfortunately, we don't always grasp the significance of what we claim to believe. Please understand this. If we stop short of applying truth to our lives, then we don't actually grasp that truth. Until our lives, and not just our belief system, are changed, then theology is dead. Understand that. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing people in, in whatever churches saying, oh, yeah, I know this, I know that, but it doesn't change their actions. Oh, I believe this, but it doesn't change your actions. Then guess what? That's dead theology, and you don't have a clear understanding of it. So what you do and how you live are absolutely vital. We've heard a lot about the word essential. And by the way, our president yesterday said that all churches are essential. Isn't that pretty good news? I believe that we are. 
Uh, and on that note, we will be gathering. Uh, if anybody needs a chair, raise your hand. You guys are amazing. We got some more chairs coming out. Uh, got some incredible servants over here. Mark, Miss Sarah needs a chair on the ground way over there. Thank you, guys. Um, so people have asked, when are we getting back together? I kind of like outside church. It's pretty fun, isn't it? This is nice. Um, and I don't have to have my wife say to me, I'm freezing cold. Turn the air off. Yes, dear. And I can't control the temperature outside. So aren't you thankful that God's in control? This is like perfect weather for me. I'll take this. Uh, I got to keep my shiny head covered so I don't get sunburned, though. I hope you don't mind. But listen, what you do and how you live are absolutely vital. Next week, we will be gathering. I lost my train of thought inside, but we might keep doing outside services through the summer. We'll just play it by ear, but we definitely are going to be able to gather next week. Uh, that is our plan, so please come prepared. You don't have to bring a chair next week. We plan to be inside. Uh, we are going to do some more out outdoor services throughout the summer just because we think this is pretty cool. Um, but I want to get back to without action and fruit, all your theology in the world has very little meaning. But theology is still important. What you believe absolutely determines how you act. Listen, what you believe about scripture and what you teach your children about scripture will affect their lives. How are you living it out? How are they living it out? Good theology at its best can lead us to live godly lives, but bad theology will also point us in the wrong direction. And there's been a lot of people pointing in the wrong direction when it comes to the topic that we're talking about of the Holy Spirit. When we study the Holy Spirit, bad theology can lead us to ineffective lives or worse yet, understand this, worse yet, lives spent striving after what actually opposes God. If you don't know the theology and understand it. More important than what we know is how we act or how we behave. Being a Christian isn't about knowing a certain set of propositions. It's about knowing Christ and acting on his behalf in the world that we live in. But our beliefs shape our actions. Understand this. As we study the Holy Spirit, it's vitally important that our understanding of who he is and what he does is accurate. This is such a critical doctrine of our church, the Holy Spirit, that I want you to get this because this transforms you and it transforms the people around you. It transforms the world that you live in. But because of a poor understanding of the Holy Spirit and poor theology about the Holy Spirit, many people have shut that down and said, oh, I don't want that in my life because that's weird. And they have totally now opposed God in their lives and they don't even realize it. This should really get your attention this morning, guys. You've got to understanding. If our understanding is off or it's misguided, we could spend our whole lives in pursuits that actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid that there are many people in the church today that have unknowingly grieved the Holy Spirit in their lives. Not bad people, but people who lack understanding. The scripture says God's people perish for lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. It's important that we know what the scripture says. Once our theology is in the right place, or at least headed in the right direction, we need to act upon it. And as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, you also need to understand that you are finite and he is infinite. He's infinite. 
His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We can't fully comprehend and fully understand everything about God and the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand that as we pursue a deeper understanding. Are you with me? Sounds a little like an oxymoron. With that said, I'm sure that this morning, again, like last week, there are various beliefs about the Holy Spirit. And, and hopefully what we begin last week will, will, and where we're headed over the next few weeks can help you get a better understanding and knowledge of the Holy Spirit and therefore help you align yourself with him. Him being the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. He's a he, the person of the Holy Spirit. And see your lives transformed and see your actions and your behaviors changed. I don't know about you, but I know that I still need my behaviors and my actions to become more like Jesus. Is anybody else in that same boat or is it just me? As I said, that same boat, a boat just drove by. Isn't that, that just weird, huh? But the, the truth is that, that we need the continual transforming grace and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to transform our behaviors. Now, here, I'm going to get your attention, I hope, for a minute. How many of you like football? Yes, and, and I know that some of you have been very sad with all that happened with football or is going on with all the sports, but football will come back around. Most of us have at least watched football. I know that Sean Hare, our worship leader, he absolutely adores football. He loves football. <laughs> He's been praying for there to be no sports for years. I was being facetious. Sean is not a huge sports fan. But listen, most of us have seen at least watched some football on TV, whether you've been to a high school game or you've watched it. Uh, and many of you have watched you know, one of the, well, the greatest quarterback of all times, Tom Brady, who is now going to Tampa Bay. I hear you, Bubba. Bubba loves Tom Brady so much. You can talk to him afterwards about that if you'd like. He's a, he's a Tampa Bay fan. But in any case, I want you to picture Tom Brady or whatever your favorite quarterback is calling a huddle and getting everybody out there on the field, and he gathers them all up. Where's Owen Shukart? He's one of our football players over there, Owen. So imagine coming to the huddle, Owen, in the middle of the field in your high school game, and the quarterback gives you the play, and everybody's all jacked up about it, and like, yeah, we're going to run the whatever they're going to run, and you don't understand it. And everybody slaps each other on the butt, and they love that, and they just, all right, let's go out, and they, ready, break. And everybody leaves the field, they run back, and they sit down on the bench. And they wait for a few seconds, about 30 seconds goes by, about a minute. And then the team jumps back up, they run out on the field, they gather in the center, they get their circle, they get their huddle going, and they hear the play, and they're all uh, jacked up. About, like, yeah, everybody got it, one, two, three, break! And they run off the field, back to the bench again. And they sit down. Never to execute the play that was called by the quarterback. Now, would that make much sense to you? Probably not. You probably wouldn't watch for very long. You probably wouldn't be very impressed. But you know what happens in the church today is similar to, to that analogy, if you will, that we gather together every week. We hear a challenging message on the word of God. We hear the scripture. We listen to our favorite podcast. We listen to our favorite preacher online, whoever it might be. We gather together. We get all jacked up. We're like, yeah, it's a great plan. I love it. Man, what a great word from the Lord today. That was right on, Pastor. That was right on whoever you're listening to. And you get all excited about it. And then, boom, you just go back out into life with your normal everyday life, never executing the play that was just talked about. Even though you agree with it. Even though you say, yeah, it's a great plan. That's a great play. I love that. Let's do it. And then we leave the doors of the church or the parking lot of the church or we turn the radio off. We go back into our normal everyday lives, never 
to actually run the play we've been given. Does that make much sense to you? I think we can relate, you know, why do we not run the play? And I think one of the reasons I believe, the number one reason why we never execute the play is because we, we cannot, we can't. It's too hard. We say, I don't have the power to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. It's a great plan. I know it's scripture. I know it lines up with God's word and I love it, but I just can't do it. And you're right. You can't do it void of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And this is why this message is so essential. We can all relate and we've all been guilty to some sense, to some degree of hearing the plan, knowing the play and never executing and never running the play in our lives, in our day to day lives. So today's message is really very practical. God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can change the world around us through his power, through the Holy Spirit. How would this church look different? How would the church in America look different if we were all running the plays? Think about that. If we were all doing what we know we've been told to do, our homes would be different, our families would be different, our, our workplace would be different, our communities would be different. How would we respond? How would the world respond, rather, if they saw the church running the plays? If they saw our lives were different? Think about that for a minute. Not just getting all jazzed up about what we hear and we get all excited and, you know, we do worship, we feel the Holy Spirit moving, it's fantastic, it's great, but then we leave and our lives are not transformed. I think that often the world looks at the church and they say, you're no different than us. All you do is go to church on the weekends and, and you talk about theology, but your lives are no different because we lack the power of the Holy Spirit. I think something that we've got to be careful of because we're, we're all capable of studying biblical truth in a way that makes us smarter, but it doesn't affect anything in our lives. And this is where there's got to be a balance of studying the word of God and getting a greater knowledge and a, great, a deeper understanding. But we also have the ability to study and learn in such a way that our lives are never the same because of what we've learned. Listen, our children, I'm glad our children are here today and not in kids church, to be honest, because they need to learn and hear and be taught about the Holy Spirit. Any amens, parents? Maybe you've not experienced that in your life, but your kids need to learn. So my prayer for you is that when we complete the series, you can look back and say, yes, I know more about the Holy Spirit. I know more about the Holy Spirit, but more importantly, I pray that you walk away knowing the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. You can know about the Holy Spirit or you can know the Holy Spirit. By the way, we're streaming live online. For those of you who are watching, we want to welcome you. I know that the quality is, is different, but you're live with us and we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I believe that this will be online for, for later. But listen, showing the world around you a spirit-filled life, a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit can offer the world something better than what they have right now. And that's what they need to know. So today I want to give, get, help you, if you will, get to know who he is by looking at the scriptural attributes of the Holy Spirit. And I'm only going to give you about five of them today. And I know that it's hard. You may not have a pen and a paper, but I want you to get these attributes. And the goal is to get you more acquainted with the Holy Spirit today. And next week is Pentecost Sunday. Now, when I say the word Pentecost, some people go, 
That's the freaky weird stuff. No, this that's the problem. We get those titles and those presuppositions in our mind and we, we have these false conceptions of who the Holy Spirit is and what Pentecostal is all about. If you've heard these truths before, then I, I, I encourage you to have a fresh look at them. Maybe you've never heard these attributes before. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to, to jot down these scriptures and look more at the context of them over the next week. But maybe you're really familiar with these attributes of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you've been in church all your life. And you say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that before, Pastor. And, and here's what happens if that's you. Here's the... Here's the caution for you. We become so kind of humdrum about it that we've lost our sense of awe about the Holy Spirit. And we're just like, oh yeah, you know, he's omniscient. Yeah, so so what? Big deal. He's omnipotent. Yeah, big deal. You know, he's got a lot of power. That's cool. Or he's omnipresent. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So we've heard those attributes, but sometimes we we just lose our sense of wonder about them. The attributes of the Holy Spirit. And about him, the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, I encourage you to, to approach these truths that I'm going to share with you this morning. Like you've never heard them before. Ponder the Spirit until you find yourself in awe of him. The most amazing part of this whole thing is that the very Spirit that we're studying, the very Holy Spirit that we're studying is actually living inside of you. So as we explore the few truths from Scripture today, I want to encourage you to consider the practical application and also, of each particular attribute that I'm going to give you, they're not really complicated. And I encourage you to take more time over this coming week to explore the scripture more for yourself. The first one, and I realize our time is, is running short, but stay with me. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. Everybody say that. Person. He's not an it. He is not an impersonal force or a thing. And many people refer to him as it. The Bible consistently describes the spirit as a person. Matthew 28, 19. When the spirit is talked about as an equal Godhead of the, or equal member of the Godhead. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's equal to God and the Father. Ephesians 4, 30, where he said... Where he is said to have emotions. The Holy Spirit actually has emotions. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Rather than using the, the, the Holy Spirit as an energy booster, tapping into him like he's an electrical current. We actually talk to him. We relate to him. We cooperate with him. We make ourselves available to him. Now, I, I often, even in our partners class, I refer when I'm teaching about the Holy Spirit, I refer to him as our power source because he does bring us power. He does bring us energy. It's like using a hairdryer not plugged into the power source. It does you no good. When we plug into the person of the Holy Spirit, he empowers us. But it's a he. He is a he. He is not an it. As you understand the Holy Spirit as a person, not a thing, that will affect the way you live. Understand that the person of the Holy Spirit. The second thing, the Holy Spirit is also God. He is not less than the Father or the Son. He is consistently presented as equal. I just read that in Matthew 28, 19, just like the other members of the Godhead. But the Spirit is often referred to also simply as God. The Trinity, the three in one. Acts 5, chapter 3. Peter was confronting Ananias about lying to the Holy Spirit. And he says the Holy Spirit first and then later in that same passage. He says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So the Holy Spirit and God we see are one. The three in one. 
People say, how can that be? How can, how can there be three separate persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet they all be one? That's the Trinity. It's hard for our minds to understand. I liken it like, like an egg. I can break an egg and I can separate the egg white, the egg yolk, and the shell. There are three separate parts of the egg, but they all can also be one, right? Are you with me? I know it's a simple little illustration. I used to often use that or ice, water, vapor, or frozen. Three, yet they can be one. That ice cube can be boiled and become steam, can become liquid, or can be frozen. The third thing I want you to hear this morning is the Holy Spirit has his own mind and will. He thinks and acts according to his will and to the will of God the Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Romans. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. First Corinthians chapter 12, 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He has his own mind and he has his own will. The spirit strategically enables and empowers us to fulfill our mission here on earth. Understand that. And he works in each one of you differently. Accordingly to the way that he has wired you. Pastor Zach and I are very different people. We have different gifts. Different abilities. Different uh, callings. But God works through him in the way he works through him. And he works through me the way he works through me. But we work collectively together. That's because the Holy Spirit works through us. As he wills. Not as you will. The fact that the Holy Spirit has his own mind and his own will should affect the way that you think and plan. As you submit you, yourself, as you surrender yourself to the will of the Spirit, not to your own will. Are you with me? You guys are awful quiet. I wish I would have moved you all a little closer. I feel like you're too far away from me. I know you don't want to be in spitting range, right? The fourth thing I want to give you this morning. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, this is important. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When there is disunity, when there is a lack of love, whether with other people or with God himself, we cause the Spirit to grieve. We rarely think about the effect our sin has on God. But he is clearly saddened, and his heart, I believe, is deeply affected when we fail to honor him the way we ought to be honoring him. What do I mean by that? As you understand, young person, listen up to me, that your sin grieves the Holy Spirit, it should help us to not sin. Consider the consequences of your sin. And there are consequences. The Bible says, be not deceived what a man sows, that will he reap. Do you want to grieve the Holy Spirit? No. None of us want to. But often we do because we try to continue to live this life on our own power and our own ability. The, the fifth and final attribute I want to give you of the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit is omniscient, he's omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's all-present. How many of you kids have heard those words before? You've been taught those things. Omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, God calls his people to rely on the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, 
Paul not only says that the Holy Spirit knows everything, but that he reveals truth to us. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth to you. And sometimes maybe you've been in a situation like this where you've heard something and you wondered, boy, is that true? Is that biblical? Is that accurate? It sounds like maybe that's taken out of context or that scripture is not right. You ask the Holy Spirit and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to us. Paul teaches us that, the Apostle Paul. And in Psalms chapter 139, verse 7 and 8, David tells us that the Spirit is everywhere. We cannot escape His presence. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He's living. He's active. He's everywhere in your lives. And I want you guys to understand more fully understanding these truths about the Holy Spirit, I believe, will help affect the way that we look to the Spirit for help and guidance. And too many times in our day-to-day -day lives, in our everyday lives, listen, if you're married, husbands and wives. If you're not married, single person. If, you're a, a, if you work somewhere, the Holy Spirit helps you in your practical everyday lives. The Bible said he is our comforter and our helper and our guide. And I often don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to lead me from day to day. And when I pray, Holy Spirit, I belong to you. This is your day. Have your will accomplished in and through me. You lead me, you guide me, you direct me. It's not what Craig wills, it's what you will. And I don't always hit it out of the ballpark. I, I mess up a lot. How about the rest of you? Sure. We do, right? But that's when we continue to die to our flesh, die to ourselves, and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. As we study the Holy Spirit, I want to just remind you to keep in mind that, uh, as I said this in the very beginning, it's, it's impossible to fully comprehend him. You cannot. And here's where people who get too heady, and here's the balance, right? If you have all knowledge and no experience of him, if you just know about God, but you don't know him, if you know about the Holy Spirit, but you don't know him, you don't have a relationship, fellowship, right? The Bible talks about believing that whosoever believes in him, that doesn't mean that you just have an intellectual knowledge or uh, that you embrace Christian doctrine, but that you have a relationship is what that original word means. Relationship with him, with God the Father, with God the Son, and with God the Holy Spirit. It transforms you. The point is not that we completely understand everything there is to understand about God, because you won't. Even the greatest theologians and scholars will acknowledge that. It's not that you fully understand everything, but it's that you worship him for who he is and what he's done and who he is in your life, right? What you're learning about the Holy Spirit should cause you to value him more in your life. I pray that you would, you would be hungry for more of the Holy Spirit in your life to, to not only know about him, but to know him and desire his active presence in your life. Worship team, would you come? You know, I think that we, we miss out on this in, in the practical, everyday part of life. Uh, we think that, well, the Holy Spirit's for when you're in really dire straits, you know, that when you're really in trouble, when your life's really falling apart, that's when you cry out to the Holy Spirit. How about not wait till your life's really falling apart and cry out to God every day and say, God, I need you to transform my, my not just my actions, but my beliefs, which are closely attached to your actions. What you know, what you believe affects how you act and it's vital and it's essential to everyday life. So here's my question for you this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? We're going to close with a song and, and we're going to celebrate and worship the Lord today. 
But here's my question for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment in, the, in a real, uh, just a moment of reverence and introspection, you know, do a little bit of soul searching right now. How is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? How active is he in your life right now? Can you use more of him? Are you hungry for more of him? So next week, we're going to talk about what he's doing in and through us. But right now, I just want you to really evaluate. And maybe uh, you can take a look at these scriptures that we just briefly skinned over. Five attributes of the Holy Spirit. There's so much more. But those five attributes. And, and again, many, many of you have said, oh, I've heard those before, Pastor. But, you know, some of us who have been in the church all of our lives have grown very numb to them. We've lost the sense of awe of who the Holy Spirit is. So as we're digging here, I want, I want you to really ask yourself that question. How is he doing in my life? Is the Holy Spirit active and moving? Can I use more of him? Heavenly Father, I thank you for where you're bringing us. Lord, in the midst of an unstable world and unstable times, I thank you that the rock, our anchor, Jesus Christ, holds. And that our hope is in you. It's not in the things of this world. It's in Christ. Lord, as we are on this journey to experience more of you in our lives, we also recognize that we must decrease so that you can increase in us. So help us to die to our flesh, our, our carnal way of thinking and understanding. And, and Lord, I pray that we would be completely opened and hungry for more of you. More of your power. More of your presence more of your Holy Spirit in our lives, equipping, enabling, and empowering us to live lives that are being transformed and that are transforming the world that we live in. God bless your people, I pray, as we go our separate ways throughout this week. And I pray, Lord, that we would remember that illustration. We'd not just get in the huddle and hear a good word and, and go off having no application to our lives. Help us to apply the truths of Scripture to our everyday lives in work, in our marriages, in our homes, in our parenting, as employees, as a single person, whatever it might be, Lord, help us to apply the truths of Scripture and see them transform our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.